This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Our, um, before I get started, I forget. Um, don't forget that we, as we're doing these teachings on our premarital class um, and our premarital counseling, be sure that you uh, submit your questions. There is opportunity to submit your questions anonymously. Um, so you can do that, and we will address those in future teachings after um, we've gone through the series. So be sure that you take advantage of that. Uh, be sure that you do. Um, so we're continuing this morning on um, our premarital counseling, our premarital class. And my portion of this is going to be to explain the commitment of a covenant. We're explaining the commitment of a covenant and the seriousness of covenant. So the title of this message is, Are You Ready to Be Committed to the Covenant? Are you ready to be committed to the covenant? And that's a very serious question. Are you ready to be committed to the covenant. I want you to keep that. That needs to ring in your mind. Am I ready for the commitment to the covenant? As we get started, we want to remind you, always remind you of the definition of marriage. And it is that marriage is a divine institution created by God, whereby two rational, free moral agents who are born again, choose to enter into covenant with another imperfect person for a lifetime. That definition, that definition, you need to eat, sleep, and drink. That definition, especially if you are already considering, but, but even before then, it's better to just, to just start meditating on that now. But if you are in the process, if you are dating, if you are courting, if you are engaged, it is important that you eat, sleep, and drink that definition. Because that definition, it leads to, it, 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 it's a foundation for the covenant. It's a foundation. This is not the covenant. This is the definition of marriage. We're going to get into the covenant and what the covenant says. But this is the foundation for the covenant. And that's going to be important that you keep that definition in mind. So by way of introduction, so why is it? How? Why? Why did God choose the earthly, the natural, the earthly relationship of a man and a wife, why did he choose that particular relationship over all of the other earthly relationships? Why did he choose that one? That one. To help demonstrate and to be an example and a demonstration of his love for his people. Why did he choose that particular relationship? To be a demonstration of Jesus' relationship with the church. Why that one? Why didn't he choose a child and a parent relationship? Why didn't he choose a co-worker relationship? Or a supervisor and an employee relationship? 
Why didn't he choose? Why didn't he choose a sister brother relationship? Why did he choose the relationship of a man and a wife? Why? I'm glad you asked. He chose that relationship because of several different things, and this is going to be important. So you need to listen to this. And, and again, as we're going through these things, I have about five things that I'm going to give you pertaining to that. And as I give that to you, I want you to keep in mind the marriage relationship. Keep that in mind at the forefront, and also keep in mind the relationship with, the, with Jesus and the church. Keep those two things in the forefront of your mind. First of all, in that particular relationship, there's only two involved. Only two. You get that? There's only two involved in that covenant, in that relationship. Parent-child, you have more than one child co-worker, there's more than one. It's not just one supervisor to one employee. Sisters and brothers, you have more than one. In that particular relationship, there's only two. Only two involved. B, that was A. And those two involved, as it relates to Jesus, Jesus is the bridegroom and the church is the bride. Then, of course, we have the man and we have the wife. Two. Only two. B, because of the roles and the responsibilities, that's why he chose it, because of the roles and the responsibilities of each person that is built, the roles and responsibilities that are already built in that marital covenant. The roles and the responsibilities. So, Jesus is the head, the church is the body. The man is the head, and the woman is there to submit as he is the head. Just as the church is there to submit to Jesus as the head. Okay? That's letter B. Under that letter B, because of those roles that are built in, the responsibility of each person includes obligation. The roles and the responsibilities of each person that man and that wife, Jesus and the church, each one of those presents an obligation and includes an obligation for the proper custody, for the proper care, and for the safekeeping of that marital relationship or covenant. You have an obligation. That man has an obligation. That woman, that wife has an obligation for the proper custody for the proper care and safekeeping of that marital relationship. It also includes, there's an obligation of accountability. There's an obligation of accountability. There's an obligation of dependability. And there is an obligation of liability. There's an obligation. Each person has an obligation. They have a role. They have a role. And they have responsibility. The responsibilities include proper custody and care and safekeeping of the relationship. It includes accountability, dependability, and liability for that covenant. Okay, I'm, I'm taking my time because I need you to, I need you to understand and I need you to hear exactly what is being said. I don't want anything misconstrued. 
Because this is, this is serious business. It's serious. You know, we think about play things. We think about, again, I've heard time and time since we've started it. You know, we think about the wedding and we think about all of that. And all of that's cute and all of that's fine and good. And we want you to look good and we want you to have fun at your wedding and your reception. We want all of that. But after that... After that day, it's just that's just a day. All of that planning, a year. Sometimes people up to a year of planning for that one day, and after that one day, it's on and popping. You look, it's nothing about being cute no more. Nothing about cake, and it's nothing. It's nothing about nothing about gifts. Nothing about all of that stuff. You in your mind when after that, you're just gonna be like. I could have saved that money. Because now we got to live. <laughs> now we got to eat. This is important. Because the wedding thing, that's one day, but this you have to live. And this is continuous. And this is for a lifetime. A lifetime. This is for a lifetime, like till you die lifetime. Not till you get tired. I'm sick of you. No, not till you get sick. <laughs> till you die. Physically. That's important. Each person, each person, so this is your letter one, two, I'm giving you a one, two, and three under B. Each person has the responsibility to protect and to care for and to nurture and to keep that relationship just as Christ and the church does. Every per- Our job as a believer, as a follower of Christ, as a, the bride of Christ, our job is to pre- help protect our relationship with him. That's why it's important that you guard your heart because you have a relationship with God that you need to protect. Man and wife, you have a relationship that you need to protect. That's why you don't need everybody in your ear. That's why you don't need to talk to anybody and everybody about your problems and your situations. Because you have a relationship to protect. You know, you, especially you women, you go tell your mama about your problems with your husband and she's going to look him up and down and sideways and cross-eyed. She's going to do all of that. All of that. Because now you're messing with her baby. And then you get over that and you get through that and she's still looking at him upside, crossways and all of that. And then you got to tell my mama, it's, it's over. Uh-uh. You decided that you were going to add her. You were protecting the relationship. It's your job to protect and care for and nurture that relationship. Each person. That means nurture. That means that you got to pluck up. You got to help cultivate. You got to pluck up those things that may be pulling you apart. Those things that could cause division among you, you have to put those things, you have to. Each one of you has a responsibility 
to pluck up, to remove those things that can come and drive a wedge in between you and your spouse. That's your job. Each one of you, that's your job. To nurture, to protect, to care for that relationship. Just like it's our responsibility. God does his part. Jesus does his part in this. He nurtures. He he helps to plug. He gives us what we need to help pluck up. He tries to drive people away. He tries to tell you who those people you need to take away. He tries to tell you that. He does his part. Do we do our part to nurture and protect that relationship? Well, no one would see. When you try to hold on to a relationship that God is trying, that, you, are help, you are keeping people in your life that's driving a wedge between you and your relationship with Jesus. It's up to you to nurture. It's up to you to protect. And it's the same way. This is why. Remember, these are the reasons why God has chosen the relationship between man and wife to help demonstrate the relationship between Jesus and the church. Number three, under letter B. Each person must be rational, free moral, Agents. Jesus, God, He did not, He did not, He is not coercing us. He is not bullying us. He is not doing any of that. He wants us to choose Him on our own free will and our own free will. Free moral. We're free agents to choose. Just like you are a free moral agent to choose your spouse. Listen. Listen. Particularly women. I know you've been dating. You might have been dating for a while. You know, we've been dating two or three years and he still hasn't asked me to marry. Listen. You want him to do that on his own free will. You think you want You think you want him to ask you to marry you. You want him to ask you. That's coercion. And when you're coerced, when somebody is coerced to do something, they might do it. But what are you going to get in return? I wasn't really, I wasn't really ready, but she was pushing me. I wasn't really ready. Oh, when, when, listen, when that comes up, you are in trouble. You think you want him to. No, 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 no. You got that all twisted. You better wait as long as you want to wait, as long as you can, as long as you want to, if that's who you believe should be your husband or your spouse. You better wait because you want him to do it when he is ready. Are you ready for the commitment to covenant? Did you get that? Are you ready? Is he ready? Let him be ready. Let him be ready. It is nothing, listen, again, it might be cute with you walking down the aisle, but after that day, after that day, and he wasn't really ready, mm-hmm. 
and you know, people think, and, and, and like, and we can talk, we can talk, we can talk, we can talk all day long. We can talk to you for Sundays. We can talk to you for Mondays. We can talk to you on Friday. We can talk to you for months. We can talk to you. But everybody thinks that their situation is different. They think it's different. But it is not. Trust me, it is not different. <laughs> it's not. And we've seen it time and time and time again. That very thing that you thought you were going to be able to change about him. That very thing that you thought, that, oh, your, my love is so strong for him and our bond is so strong. That you know, I can get him to do anything. That he'll do anything for me. So if I ask him to change, if I ask him to do, if I ask him this, if I ask him that. Again, if he does it. It's not of his own free will. And anybody can do anything for a short length of time. Anybody can do anything for a short length of time. But we said that marriage is a lifetime. Are you willing to live your life until you die with someone who really wasn't ready to be married? You don't understand what that means. That means that when he gets tired of you, he's going to go hang out with his friends. That's what that means. Because I wasn't really ready to be tied down. I wasn't really ready for that commitment to that come. I wasn't really ready. But she said she was moving on if I didn't propose to her. She said... She said she gave, she gave me an ultimatum. I love her. I do. I wasn't ready to get married. I do love her. But I really, really wasn't ready. That means that if he finds somebody, he comes across somebody with a little more something, he just might. Because he wasn't really ready to settle down for a commitment. That's what that means. See, you run that risk. Let him be ready. Just let him be ready. And you need to be ready. You think you're ready too. But listen, if you're trying to coerce him into me, you are not ready for that commitment. Because you don't understand that he needs to be a free moral agent. Each person must be rational. They must be able to make their own choices and their own decisions. They must be sensible. They must be reasonable. They must be able to choose freely. They must be principled. Free moral. That means they must be principled and ethical. That, must, that means that they must be living a certain, living by a certain set of standards, and that certain set of standards needs to be based on the Word of God. Just like Jesus and the church. He wants you to be free to choose Him. 
in that relationship, when you enter that relationship, you are entering that saying that I am principal, I am living this set and sort of standards based on what he has designed, based on what God has designed. God, the Father, put things in place and into motion. Then he gave Jesus the bridegroom position and the role, and then the church is the bride of the bridegroom. God the Father putting all of this into place. We're going to live by his standards. We're going to go by his standards and his way of doing things. Same thing with the marital covenant. Two people joining based on the biblical principles that are already laid out for the covenant. This is what we are going to follow. This is what I am going to follow personally. Personally. Individually. This is what I am going to follow. Remember, those roles and those responsibilities, they are yours to choose individually first. You have to choose that I am going to be the head. You have to choose that when I take on a wife, I am going to have custody over that relationship. I'm going to care for, I'm going to nurture that relationship. I am going to keep that relationship. That's personal and that's individual. As a woman, you're saying that I am going to put myself and place myself under the headship of my husband. I'm going to take that lesser role in that sense and I am going to nurture and I am going to care for and I am going to keep that relationship. That's individual, not based on what they do, not based on what they say. That's a choice that you have to make first individually. Are you ready? I didn't ask, is your spouse, I didn't say, are you all ready? I said, are you, am I? That's the question you need to ask yourself. Am I ready for the commitment to the covenant? Has nothing to do with the other person. Nothing to do with them. Am I ready for the commitment to the covenant of marriage? Am I ready? And don't go ask them, are they ready? No. Ask yourself. This is, listen, this is self-work. Self-employment. You want to be self-employed? There you go. You do that work all by yourself. Are you ready? Letter C. So that was A, B, because of the roles and responsibilities. C. Because of the level of intimacy, that's why God chose that relationship. Because of the level of intimacy, that's the closeness, that's the affection, that's the familiarity in that relationship. That reminded me of that song, Oh, how he walks with me. Oh, how he talks with me. Oh, how he tells me that I am his own. That's some intimacy with the Lord right there. (laughs) 
When you allow him to walk with you and talk with you. When you allow him to tell you, listen. And it's the same thing with this marital relationship. When that husband can tell that wife, listen. You are my own. You walk together. You talk together. And then, they, you, and then you tell each other, I am, you are my own. Intimacy. Closeness. Vulnerability. Where Jesus knows our weaknesses, that spouse should know your weaknesses. And they should be ready. They should be, they should be able to help you. They should be able to help you. In those times, just like Jesus does with us. He provides the grace. He provides his word to help cleanse. That closeness and that intimacy, that is the same type of closeness that that relationship between a man and a wife, that's how it should be. The word declares it. In Ephesians 5, it tells the husband should wash his wife. He should be able to wash his wife with the word. (laughs) He should be able to wash her and cleanse her. And not just by the word of God, but by his intimate words to her. That's presenting himself. That's presenting her to himself. You are mine. I'm going to nurture this relationship. I'm going to keep you. You know, you, you know there's some keeping when it comes to your wife? When it comes to a wife, there's some keeping that must go on. Listen, God provides, Jesus provides everything that we need. He provides the church. As a bridegroom, he provides the bride with everything that she needs to fulfill her purpose. Yeah, yeah. So it's the man's responsibility to help provide in his role, in his functioning role. I'm not saying you're not taking on the role of Jesus. Jesus has his part in helping her to get where she needs to be. But he has also provided you and he put something in you to help you be able, as you function, listen, and and that goes for both. As you function in your role and you stay in your role and stay in function in your responsibility, don't you know that that just that, that alone is helping to support what your spouse needs to help get them to where God needs them to be. It's when you try to take on the other role and take on the other responsibilities and take on the other obligations of that other role. When you try to do that, then you're getting in the way of them being able to be what God wants and intends for them to be. That's important. See, we, see, we, we, get, that, we get that twisted. Again, especially women, we get that twisted. We try, to, we try to take on those roles. We try to do things that God and the Spirit of God say in your role. We try to do things that the Spirit of God is only designed and created to do. You try to do and take on responsibilities that that head of the household that they're only created and designed to do. You try to take on those roles thinking you're going to help him get to where he needs to be. It don't work that way. It don't work that way. It only works as God has designed it to work. 
And the way God designed it to work is that each person has a role. And they have their own responsibility. That's the way God designed it. So you're not going to be able to do anything outside of God's design and think it's going to work. Again, am I ready for the commitment to the covenant? That level of intimacy. John 14. Turn to John chapter 14. John chapter 14. I love this scripture. Let's look at verse um, we're going to read verse 20 but let me just set this up for you because we're not going to read a whole bunch of these verses. But this is Jesus talking to his disciples. And he's basically tethering and he's speaking of heaven and he's speaking of his, of his departure and he's getting them ready. And he says that I'm not going to, in the verses before, he says, I'm not going to leave you comfortless, but I'm going to send you a comforter. Okay. Verse 20, we're going to pick up there. At that day, ye shall know that I am in my Father and ye in me and I in you. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. Verse 20, at that day ye shall know that I am in my Father, and ye in me, and I in you. He's talking about the Spirit of the living God coming to live in the believer. There is nothing more intimate than the Holy One, than Jesus sending the Spirit of the living God, God the Father, sending the Spirit to live and to dwell in you. That's some intimacy. Because then it tells us that the Spirit of the living God, it instructs us, it leads us, it guides us. It is the spirit of the living God that discerns, and there's nothing more closer than that, that discerns the hearts of men. That discerns the hearts of men. And there's nothing more intimate than that. That's just like the relationship with the husband husband and the wife, the, the, the man and the wife. It's nothing more intimate than to, for someone to know what your works are, to know what your imperfections are, to know all, to know what your weaknesses are, to know all of that. It's nothing more closely. And he said about, this speaks to the level of intimacy between Christ and the church. John 15, chapter 4. John 15, verse 4, I'm sorry, I said chapter, verse 4. Verse 3, now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine, and no more can ye except ye abide in me. 
So he's, he's saying here to be fruitful and to be productive, we must abide in Christ and allow him to abide in us. A man and a wife must cultivate a oneness. A man and a wife, you must cultivate. They must cultivate a oneness to be productive and for that relationship to flourish. To be fruitful and to be productive in that relationship, there has to be a closeness and a oneness to be able to be productive in that relationship and for it to grow. Ephesians chapter 5. Turn to Ephesians chapter 5. Let's read verse 28. Ephesians 5 and 28. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hateth his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. And that explains it all. That explains both sides. The relationship between Christ and the church, and the relationship of the husband and the wife. That explains it right there. We are members of the body of Christ, intimately connected with him, just as a man and a wife are one. They become one. That's universally. That's extensively. When listen, when one when somebody thinks of your spouse, they should think of you. <laughs> When somebody thinks of your spouse, they should think of you. That's a general oneness. That's a general, look, those two are one. I I know that they are one. I see. I believe. You don't know because you're not in there. You're not in their house. But I, I can see from what I see. But when they see you, they should automatically think of your spouse. That's in general. There is nothing, there is very little, there is very little that affects a spouse and then not affect the other. Very little things. Physical pain, you know, you're not affected by that. Loss of a job, you're affected by that. When they're hurting, you're affected by that. When they're happy, you're affected by that. There's very little that affects one that does not affect the other. In the body of Christ, Jesus, whatever affects him should affect us. <laughs> whatever he's concerned about, we should be concerned about. Because what we're concerned about, he's concerned about. What affects us, it affects him. So that's that same, that's that kind, that's that kind of, 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 of intensive and consideration that one should have. It's a significance. It's a significance. There's a significant uh, dynamic 
There's a significant dynamic between Jesus and the church and a spouse and spouses and a man and his wife. Those are some particular dynamics that you don't find in any other kind of relationship. You should be able to anticipate. So caring for that spouse and caring for that spouse, you should be able to anticipate some needs. Both sides. You should be able to anticipate some needs. And again, I've already said that you are helping each other to become what God intended by being in your role and by producing, by producing and being productive in your own role and responsibilities. D. The other reason why God chose this particular relationship is because of the purpose of the marital relationship in the family. To plant, to produce, to nurture, to water, to cultivate godly seed. That's our job. As a man and a wife, it is your job to help to plant, to produce, to nurture, to water, to cultivate godly seed. A man and a wife functioning in their roles work together to produce a godly seed. Everybody functioning in their role. It helps to produce a godly seed. Just as we are workers together with Christ, one plants, one waters, but it's God who gives the increase. We do our role. We function in our role. We function in our responsibilities and our roles as the bride. We function in our roles and our responsibility as the body, as the church. And then it's God, us working together. God gives the increase. By his grace, he gives the increase. By his spirit, he gives the increase. He is the only one that has the power to change the heart. Now listen, I know we say, we, I know we say that, that, you know, we win souls and we, you know, and I get it. I understand because you were instrumental. You allowed your vessel to be used, but please don't get it twisted. It was nothing in you. You know what? Your words are vain and empty. Your words are vain and empty. Listen, even the word of God out of your mouth is vain and empty. It is the power of God and the power of his word. He upholds his word by his power. So if you don't have God working, if you're not working with God, you have nothing. Sometimes we think, right? Sometimes we think, and sometimes we wonder. Now, it could, be, it could be various things, but in some cases, in some cases, when we try to minister to people, listen to what I'm saying, when we try to minister to people and it doesn't seem like it's taking effect, not all the time, but in some instances, this could be the case, is that the spirit of the living God was not with you in that. Why? Because remember, we've been taught that although it's a good thing to minister to people, it's not always up to you to do it. That may not be the assignment. That may not be what God has for you to do. Remember? Remember that teaching? It's right to do, but it may not be your place to do. 
not for that person. So it's the same thing. We are workers together with Christ. One plants, one waters, but it is God who gives the increase. He has given us the ministry of reconciliation, but it is his grace, it is his grace, the grace of God through by which we minister. It's the same thing in your home. A spouse, a husband and a wife. You are given the ministry of reconciliation. It is your job. It is your duty to produce a godly seed. It is your duty to produce after you. God is, he says, produce after your own kind. Produce after your own kind. You are a born again. Remember our definition of marriage. You are a born again believer. You are to produce, as you are joining in union with someone, then you know that the, the other natural thing is that you have children, and now you're supposed to produce after your kind. Your born again kind. We know you're going to produce naturally after your kind. They're going to look like you, they're going to talk like you, they're going to walk like you. But we want them to have that born againness. So it's up to us to help produce that in them. Man and wife. Your work is together, a man and a wife. Your work is together to reproduce and to make disciples of your children. Again, another reason why God chose this particular relationship. Because we see how it all fits. Letter E. And we're going to end with this one. Letter E. This is the last one. Why? Why God chose this relationship. To fulfill the roles and responsibilities in marriage and to keep the covenant of marriage, there must be commitment. There must be commitment. The concept of commitment is embedded and rooted not only in the definition of marriage, but it's also rooted in the vows of marriage. And we're going to get deeper and deeper into that over the next couple of Sundays. But that's why God, why? Because God, commitment is God's idea. And we're going to see that God was committed. He shows his commitment. He shows the commitment in covenant from the very beginning. So because of his commitment to the church. His commitment to the body of Christ, his commitment to his people, that covenant that he has and that relational covenant that he has with his people, that's why he chose the marital relationship because of the level of commitment that it takes. And we're going to touch on uh, Hosea again. You know, Minister Hill went to Hosea and I just had to smile because... You know, God, God is just good like that. He's just good like that. He just introduced, he just brought my, he just introduced. See, so then I have to do a whole lot of work. Because now you've already been introduced to Hosea. So you kind of already know. You just go add some things to it. But that's the way God, you know what, you want to thank God. For his goodness. Because he loves, that's how much he loves, that's how much he loves you. He put, he places things and he places people and he places messages just so you can get it. You know, we take that lightly. 
Sometimes we take that for granted. Listen, y'all ain't even excited. I'm the only one excited. God is faithful. Stand to your feet. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net.